This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. A new head coach and boy genius, Mike McDaniel, the fastest cheetah to ever roam the football field, and an actual left tackle? Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. Before we jump into a fresh episode of Finsider Radio, Jake and Josh want you to please, please, please hit that subscribe button if you haven't yet. Subscribing to the show is the best way to know when Jake and Josh have something cooking in the kitchen iTunes, Spotify, it doesn't matter. Following helps others find the show, and we want to thank you for that. Now, let's talk some dolphins. What is going on? Welcome in. This is Finsider Radio. After a Miami Dolphins game day, thank you all so much for joining us. This is the Jake and Josh show. We're going to talk about the Miami Dolphins winning a football game. But before I do that, I cannot go a second longer without introducing my co-host, Joshua Houts. Josh, you had to go Han Solo this week, and I just need need you to warn. I need to warn you a little bit. You now have Chewbacca back yelling in your ear. But outside of that, how you doing today? Dude, I'm going to be honest. I cannot be happier that you were back on here doing this. I snuck in the basement, did that thing late at night. And um, I mean, it was it was pretty bad. But dude, I'm stoked to be able to talk Dolphins football. Stoked to be able to run things down with you. But I do have to give a shout out. Today is my middle daughter, Aria's birthday. So happy birthday, Aria. Daddy loves you. She's three today. So pretty good day at the house's house. And again, now that I got you back in my life, I'm doing good. How have you been? Dude, we have some synergy going because today's uh, birthday number 28 for me. I'm the only idiot in the world who. Uh... How do I forget that every year? How? <laughs> I didn't even. Happy birthday, Jake. I'm sorry. Happy birthday. Jeez. I didn't wish your dementia. Daughter I, I got dementia, apologize. dude. <laughs> dude, you're, we were joking about it. You know, during this podcast, you have to go and take care of kids at time to time. And I like to joke that, you know, uh, before we know it, you're going to be running 20 yards faster than Tyree Kill. So I, I certainly don't blame you. But, uh, like I said, I was, I was the only idiot dumb enough to uh, take a couple days off for his birthday and then just to return home and work on his birthday. So, I mean, figure that one out. Yeah, you definitely should have took today off. Then we could have maybe done this a little bit sooner, but then we would have missed the news. You know, the Dolphins signed a corner. But uh, before we get into all that, Jake, do you want to shout out who won the Madden game? Because I was definitely saving that for you because uh, you kind of spearheaded that entire thing. Yeah, shout out Nico G. We're going to leave it at that for winning 
Madden. He's getting a copy of Madden on the PS5. And dude, I don't know what's going on. I, you Google the release date. It's August 15th. Amazon's telling me he's not going to receive that till like August 19th because the game doesn't come out till the 19th. What is up with video games and just not being able to just have a release date? Well, nowadays they make you buy like the legendary or the Hall of Fame edition to get three days early. I think that's honestly Whoa. what happened with Madden. So I think it officially releases tomorrow. Maybe there's a trial up now that you can play, but um, that's only if you, again, paid the extra money to get that. So um, gotcha. we're not making that much money on this podcast, right, Jake? <laughs> I was going to say, man, I mean, from the comments we got, I know, you know, people wanted to win Madden, but, but man, I wish I could give everyone a copy of Madden because, you know, we do appreciate it. We do this, you know, to kind of talk back and forth between us, but, you know, to hear that other people welcome us into, you know, their place of work, their home to, to chat with us and listen to us rant about nonsense as Han Solo and Chewbacca. I mean, it feels pretty special. So yeah, Jake, I mentioned at the top of the podcast, the Dolphins signed a cornerback. Unfortunately, it sounds like Trill Williams is out for the season. And after the promising training camp, the practice he's had, I mean, that's absolutely a dagger. But um, I got this article up on the Finsider and it was they were meeting with McKenzie Alexander, a veteran, Riley Texita, a rookie. And as soon as I hit submit on that, man, the news broke. David Cantor said that his client, McKenzie Alexander, the 28-year-old cornerback, played for Clemson, signed with the Minnesota Vikings in the second round. I think he was a 50th overall pick, is now officially part of the Miami Dolphins. He was the cornerback they brought in to kind of relieve some of those duties because I don't know about you, man, but when you're looking at the secondary, that was a area, position that I felt really good about. But, you know, there's some uncertainty with Byron Jones. Now Trill Williams is out. No Igbenogany looks lost as all can be. So they brought in McKenzie Alexander, kind of more of a slot corner, but I think, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at what the Dolphins needed, he's going to fit right in and he does have some experience. So I like this player pre- pre-draft. I actually wrote an article back in 2016. That's how old I am. Um, but I mean, this guy was impressive throughout most of his career. I do think he took a hit last season with the Bengals, but um, pretty good signing combined for 193 tackles, four and a half sacks, 32 breakups and three interceptions in his career. So um, give me your thoughts on it, Jake. We really didn't have much time to discuss this, but uh, an added veteran, a presence in that cornerback room. I hate that Trill Williams is gone out for the year, most likely, but it does sound like McKenzie Alexander is going to come in and fill that role. I don't know about you, Josh, but the thing that popped up to me, I mean, it's so hard to look at a defensive player and, you know, thumb through some some stats and think, hey, I'm going to figure out anything. But what caught me off guard, uh, his games played compared to starts is a little unorthodox. I feel like he only started a handful of games to compared to the amount of games he played in, but that kind of screams to the depth signing he will be. Um, I don't think anyone's expecting him to come in and be a starter and push any of those top three guys. But man, you have these veterans coming in and I, you know, you think back to 2019, the Dolphins are bringing in acorns, acorns. You mentioned Jeff Ireland's acorns in the last podcast. Uh, It's a little refreshing to have these, you know, solidifying depth pieces. I mean, Justin Coleman is another one I think of last year, the same scenario. He wasn't great, but you were kind of comfortable with what he can do, what he can bring to the table. And I kind of see Alexander the same way, just someone who you're going to be able to plug in. Obviously, you know, there's going to be a step off if you're, you know, trying to replace Byron Jones or Xavier Howard. But as in terms of just having someone who isn't going to ruin the game with you by letting Tyreek Hill streak down the middle of the field for easy touchdown, man, I'm. I'm content with it, even though I was very excited to see what Trill Williams was doing. And that that ACL injury, man, that, that's definitely tough to see. And I think that's really the first one. going to knock on wood to stop the curse here. That That is the first injury the Dolphins have really dealt with this preseason. Yeah, definitely knock on wood. I mean, every time I see one of those prayer circles on Twitter, you know, I try to retweet it because as soon as my (laughs) eyes, you know, see it, I just think if I don't do it, dude, something bad's going to happen. So it absolutely sucks for Trill Williams. I do like that 
Mike McDaniel basically said, you know, all this is is a setback. You know, we saw the promise in him. We saw, you know, how he wasn't happy with where he was on the depth chart, and he went out there and performed. So it does suck. One more thing about McKenzie Alexander. I pulled up uh, Ryan Smith from Pro Football Focus. Uh, he said the good. Great Alexander work. has been productive at the NFL level, most notably the 2018 season when a 78.1 overall grade ranked 16th among 112 qualifying quarterbacks. The bad news, his 41 overall grade last season ranked dead last, 116th <laughs> among all qualifying cornerbacks. So um, he did go on to say he had three straight strong coverage seasons from 2018 to 2020, allowing only three touchdowns in over 1,137 coverage snaps. But then last season, again, it all fell off. So um, a promising player, I think pre-draft, a lot of people thought he might have went in the first round. Um, again, sticky hands, good in coverage, mostly Played a lot in the slot, but again, I think the Dolphins will use him wherever they need to. And um, I did talk about Byron Jones. I do need to say Mike McDaniel does seem optimistic that he will be ready by week one. But um, being the doom and gloom Dolphins fan I am, I just have to throw out there, what if he's not there? So um, small signing on a you know a random Monday, but we needed to happen after we lost a promising young player in Trill Williams. And man, you, that's the perfect segue. Let's get into it. The Bucks missed a 49-yard field goal as time expires as the Dolphins one in Tampa Bay, 26 to 24. The Dolphins scored two touchdowns in the second quarter. Otherwise, Joshua, they leveraged four fist pump field goals, baby. And I'm only joking about that a little bit because first and foremost, I just want to say it is so refreshing to see Jason Sanders not only be back, but he is absolutely back back. One, it's an even year. Two, he was four for four with a log of 53. Compare that to last year. He was two of six. And it was definitely... I did not see you put this note in here, but I go into it. It was definitely Michael Plardy's fault that Sanders was uh, stinking last year. Yeah, I mean, we kind of went spin zone thinking that maybe it was Polardi's fault. I know Jason Sarney on Twitter, I think he did a whole thread on why it might have been Polardi's fault, you know, before this season. But uh, it was nice to see Jason Sanders back. And I think we did a podcast asking if he was going to be that money sign. And, dude, he mm -hmm. was absolutely money. And I got a little bit of a, you know, I think Tony Sperano was smiling down on that game because he had to have loved all those field goal attempts. Uh, and again, Jason Sanders was nails. And speaking of nails, I mean, I don't know about you, Jake, but everyone kind of assumed Teddy Bridgewater would get to start, maybe play a series. It sounded mm -hmm. like he had a back issue in camp and, um, you know, they wanted to take precautionary measures here. So they let Skylar Thompson start. And I don't know, man, um, I was kind of down on him in our previous podcast. And I'm not going to, you know, say he's the next great thing, but I mean, he did look pretty impressive and in control of that offense and maybe it's because he's a 25 year old rookie right but um you know it, he had the most yards in a preseason game by a Dolphins rookie since and I love this the Miami Dolphins put at least 1991 like they just gave up even looking after that so um uh, I like that. I, a lot of people corrected me yeah well he played the entire game I guess so but 20 to 28 218 yards and a touchdown I mean I don't want people to throw tomatoes at me but if you look at Tua's game log I mean that's probably pretty similar to some of those games he's had correct so um I liked what I saw to me looked like he had command of that offense I know Mike McDaniel said early on you know there was some concerns communication issues but he he looked pretty good. He made some big plays, but um, I think the biggest takeaway from all this was that offense just looked awesome, man. I mean, some of those receivers, the way they were schemed open, I mean, I can only imagine how it looks with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Tua Tungvaloa. I mean, you get goosebumps thinking about it, but overall, Skylar Thompson, a guy, again, who I was kind of down on, I guess, in this draft class, I was pretty impressed, and I think, you know, we do have to ask the question, if he keeps this up, and, you know, Teddy kind of continues to flunder, you know, doesn't really um, maybe – do anything this preseason could the Dolphins possibly move on from him I mean that's the question that I guess could the Dolphins possibly you know maybe trade Teddy Bridgewater and keep Skylar Thompson on a 53-man roster I mean that's something that sounds crazy saying it out loud so I don't know Jake but overall Skylar Thompson looked pretty good to me
seventh round pick man rookie comes in and, and does enough you know you think about these preseason games and when i look at the quarterback play i mean the 218 yards the most by a rookie since 1991 that just kind of puts into perspective man when you're watching these preseason games most of the quarterbacks are like tina belcher learning how to drive where bob's in the passenger seat just yelling tina turn the wheel Tina, turn the wheel as they just slowly, slowly run in to a stoplight right in front of them. Uh, but Skylar Thompson, man, he kept the game moving. He kept the offense moving. And that was fun to see. And, man, I'm happy you let me ask you it because I have no answer for this. Only two drives started without a play-action pass, Josh, in that game, which I think is such an interesting wrinkle. And we're going to dig into the weeds of this in a second. But do you happen to know what happened on the two drives that didn't start with the play-action pass? Um, the one was before the half when they actually took a knee or they were pretty much running the clock out. I think they might've ran the ball. Ah, and then another okay. was with the back against the end zone. And believe it or not, he did not come out and throw the double smoke screen, you know, like we saw <laughs> last year. So those were the only two. I mean, I counted that. That is a Hout stat. So if it's wrong, you can blame me, but I definitely thought it was interesting. And I think uh, I forget who said it, but a lot of 10 man boxes, you know, the way the Tampa was stacking the line. I mean, that's the perfect way to remedy that, right? Come out mm-hmm. and play action on first down when everyone in the stadium and the defense clearly thinks you're running the football. So, I, I mean, it was pretty cool to see, honestly. I mean, they were getting chunk plays after chunk plays on first down, and we just know how important that is. So um, I loved what I saw to Mike McDaniel's offense. But again, it was preseason, probably, you know, bare bones, but it did look pretty good. And another guy, Jake, that looked pretty good, I'm, a guy that I've been pretty stoked on, kind of spearheaded that Name a guy that you haven't been stoked yeah, on, Josh. Come yeah, on. <laughs> yeah, I, I said stoked like 16 times in that last podcast. <laughs> um, you were stoked. But Lynn Bowden Jr., man. I mean, he went out there and mm-hmm. balled three of four for 55 yards and a touchdown. I did a breakup on Twitter. But what I thought, you know, might keep him around. I mean, you have here. Is he doing this for the Dolphins or someone else? I mean, I kind of feel like he's doing it to increase his trade value. But if he shows that he is, you know, a return man, a guy that can return kicks and is. punts, I mean, that's kind of how he might end up sticking in. Um, I think what I saw was Lynn Bowden. You kind of knew he was already a talented receiver. You kind of liked where he was as far as an NFL pro. But um, I think, you know, maybe that's why he had a lot of success out there, too. I mean, it's Lynn Bowden. I mean, I think he's a fringe starter going against, you know, second, third stringers. I mean, he made him look silly. But again, a lot of that was the way that offense was designed. I mean, I think the Dolphins got a turnover at one point. And instead of running the ball, you know, milking it, the, they came right out, stop and go right to Lynn Bowden, mm-hmm. wide open in the end zone. So um, inject that into my veins all day. I think the cool thing about this is when we're talking chunk plays and we've been, you know, kind of diagnosing this Dolphins offense is like, okay, you need to get four yards on first down. And if you get stopped on a one yard run, that third and five, it's manageable, but not, you know, great. And you're trying to just take and tack all the way to 10 yards. When we're talking chunk plays in this offense, Josh, Lynn Bowden averaged 18 yards of reception. I mean, he was getting open in the middle of the field, you know, really taking advantage of that area behind the linebackers before for the safeties. And I was, I was surprised how open he was both on the touchdown. And I think it was, a uh, must've been another play action pass down the right side. And you mentioned him returning a punt and a kickoff. I think that is going to be so, so key. And I think that's his track to, you know, making this team, you know, I think that was kind of really fun to see from him. I think he, he showed that he can line up in different ways and help this team in different ways as well. So I could see him start fighting his way up, but I mean, man, if you, play these guys you're doing it to raise their trade value and that's what they're doing uh but on that same coin man Preston Williams <laughs> he didn't even get a target and to make matters a little worse he had two punt returns 6.5 yards per man it just seems like it nothing was really clicking for Williams I think he might have um 
I just seemed like he wasn't involved with the plays. The Dolphins weren't making a point to kind of get him the ball. I mean, Braylon Sanders had a couple targets. Everybody else on this team had a couple. I just, it seemed like Preston Williams was, was not a factor. Yeah, and I think, you know, maybe a week ago, we might have thought Preston Williams might have had more trade value, I guess, to an extent, maybe than Limbone. At least that's, I guess, what the internet yeah, was saying. Fair. I think we said someone mentioned the Cowboys should trade a second round pick for Preston Williams. So maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's all I'm going based off of. But um, I think he's more likely on his way out. I mean, again, his attitude this offseason. And if you're sitting there trying to decide on Limbone or Preston Williams, I mean, I'd much rather keep Lynn Bowden, but I guess that would say, you know, maybe his trade value is higher. So right. I think we'll see how this pans out over the next few weeks. You mentioned Braylon Sanders. I thought he was the guy that, you know, everyone's been raving about throughout camp. I didn't really see him flash as much as you would have had hoped. I mean, Trent Sherfield had that 33-yard reception. Uh, it just looked like broken. It looked like a perfect route where he just kind of sat underneath it. And then, uh, again, Lim Bowden, man, he just kept continuing to make plays after play. And you have here, Muhammad Sanu, 26-yard reception, caught Talk three of three surprise. targets. Yeah, and I don't know if you, you got to watch any of the pressers, but listening to him at the end of the game, I mean, he is Mike McDaniel to a T, you know, talking about stacking days and saying all the right things. I mean, you can see why he's here to be that veteran presence, but when he's catching three of three targets for 39 yards, I mean, is it possible that he takes up a roster spot? I mean, you factor in his age, you factor in his familiarity with the system. He's almost like an extra coach out there. I mean, I don't know if the Dolphins would keep him and Trent Sherfield, and I do believe they will keep keep Trent Sherfield at this point. But um, I was kind of um, surprised by what I saw out of Muhammad Sanu. What about you, Jake? Dude, I couldn't agree with you more. I was a little caught off guard. He was, I mean, he must have been playing against fourth and fifth stringers at the point of the game. I mean, he was, he was like a second half guy, if I remember. Am I, am I correct there? I think you were because I know when I was watching him out there, I was like, I wonder what it feels like being because Muhammad Sanu was just you you're know twice what I mean? as old like, as everyone else on the field, yeah. <laughs> and you're you're an experienced veteran. I mean, and I guess that's just part of the NFL, right? Just being a pros pro and going out there and doing whatever exactly. you have to do. But yeah, man, he was in that game pretty late, and I was a little surprised. Muhammad Sanu's out there in preseason. What the hell's he had to prove? Exactly. But he, you know, catching all three of his balls. I mean, it goes with the process, man, of just doing everything right, being where the team needs you to be. And that's kind of why we thought he'd be that, you know, maybe a sneaky pick for that final wide receiver spot, just because, I mean, you said it, he sounds like Mike McDaniel. He works in this offense. He looked very comfortable and, you know, he's obviously not going to be playing against fourth and fifth stringers all the time, but what the dolphins need from him is just to be able to catch a ball when it's thrown to him. Right. And kind of understand that offense and get into the right spot, right? He doesn't have to come out here and be Tyree Hill and make his own plays. He just has to kind of be a part of the system, and he did that well. Dude, when I'm looking at these receptions, Sherfield, 33 yards, Bowden, 29, Sanu, 26. Those were created by Mike McDaniel's offense. I cannot, cannot wait to see what this is going to look like when it's Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, guys who can make their own plays, because these are all designed to give you open space. What happens when you don't need to design that, man? This has been such a fun offense. I mean, Mike McDaniel on the sideline, I don't even know if it was a taunt, but he was like shadowing a Bucks player who's going out of bounds. I don't know what was happening there. It was just a fun experience as a Dolphins fan to kind of just enjoy this game. I mean, obviously you want your team to play well. You want everyone to be a star, uh, but in the grand scheme of things, you saw an offense that was pretty interesting. And, you know, as things change, things stay the same. Our running backs couldn't do a thing. No, I think there was one point in the game where they had like negative three yards. Might have been it. after the first quarter or something <laughs> like that. And I was thinking, where's Ryan Fitzpatrick at to lead this offense in rushing, right? Um, yes, but, right. <laughs> but, but all jokes aside, I mean, it's kind of Sony Michelle, I think, what, two runs, negative one yard you have Brutal. here. Then Miles Gaskin had the four carries for 27 yards. He did have that one big run where it looked like the entire left side kind of opened up and he just hit that hole. So coming into this podcast or come 
coming into that game, you know, in the previous podcast, I said I was kind of leaning Salvin Ahmed over Miles Gaskin. Now I'm, I'm probably flip-flopping. I guess Miles Gaskin made that one good play. But um, we need to see more out of this running back unit. And again, we know how important it is for that Mike McDaniel offense. But when you don't have Raheem Mostert out there, when you don't have Mostert, 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 right? Mostert? I'm the beat. Okay, yeah. So if you don't ever hear Monster out there, you know, Chase Edmonds it is kind of what you'd expect, but I thought I'd see more out of Sony Michelle. So that was a little surprising. Mm-hmm. And it makes you wonder, is he is he battling for a spot? I mean, I kind of talked myself into that in that last pod. So um what were your what was your overall thoughts, Jake? Because again, not the starters weren't in there and that offensive line was still missing some key pieces as well. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down, we break down who will be cutting, cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Yeah, I was a little caught off guard with the offensive line they brought out there. I thought for sure uh, Robert Hunt would be among those resting. And hey, look at Michael Dieter. I mean, what? Four days after he got out of a boot, he's out there starting for the Dolphins. And you were hoping to see some flashes of brilliance from this unit. I mean, especially, you know, you say, hey, you know, these are second and, and maybe third string guys, but they're going against, you know, second and third string guys. That Bucks defense was stacking the box and trying to make things difficult. So that might have been a part of it. But man, take me through your th- thoughts. We have Larnell Coleman, Eichenberg started, Dieter, Robert Hunt, and Austin Jackson. What'd you see out of this group? Because, I mean, you skim through the pro football focus grades and, hey, Solomon Kidley, Cheeks, he had a pass block grade of 85.5. But, man, if you go through that list, every single run blocking grade is brutal. Yeah, brutal. But at least, I don't know if you saw it. Jesse Davis, uh, I saw it retweeted on my timeline, had like a 4.7 grade from yesterday's <laughs> game. So at least, at least then we don't have to deal with that anymore. But, I mean, I saw growth right you saw development at least some of mm-hmm. these guys and i guess that's kind of why so many people are excited i think the starters only played 13 snaps um you mentioned Dieter. at one point he looked like he was flopping around like a magic card but it was a screen player stuff that he was just uh he looked like he was doing the worm but overall i thought you know this offensive line looked improved can't imagine how awesome it's gonna look you know when you have teron armstead in there hopefully connor williams fixes snap issues um i was a little surprised by robert hunt though jake that he was out there because i do think he was kind of that anchor or I want to I don't want to say star but he's kind of it makes sense though anchor it feels right yeah and you you just wonder how much of it it was not having those guys out there to to, you know see what the guys next to him could do so um again I saw a little bit of growth and that's kind of what you'd expect but um definitely need to see more Robert Jones though I think he might have been the guy that I want to say all week long Omar Kelly was talking about he might be the best depth piece this Dolphins offensive line has and it definitely seemed that way. And I don't know if you saw him mic'd up, Jake, but it is pretty hilarious. I just saw that also a little time ago. Said that the water on game day is the best water he's ever tasted in his life. <laughs> Dude, I love that. That's, you know, we have 
have the big fish and now we have Rob Jones who loves water. So, I mean, that's like win, win and they're all dolphins. So it's a win, win, win. Maybe they're all hang out at the river crawcraft, nice. but to pull it all back, I think we should give a shout out to Mike Kosicki because man, I think it was the first play of the game and maybe two of the first five. I mean, he, there were pass plays and he was in there blocking. I think one play he got in the way of two people. I don't think you can block two people, but did enough to kind of give Skylar Thompson time. He was sacked three times for 25 yards, which, when you're thinking about how many guys are going in and out, that doesn't sound terrible, but man, Mike Gusecki, man, he's doing everything right. I can't help but root for him and, and seeing what Chris Greer did with Xavier Howard in terms of, Hey, like, trust us, we'll work this out and get you paid. I mean, he is someone who's continued to show up and it doesn't look pretty man, but he's doing it and it's worked. I mean, again, small sample size of the first preseason game, but I mean, he deserves some love for that. Yeah, I think it was kind of a head scratcher. You know, some people thought maybe he'd be sitting as well, right? I right. mean, so yeah. to see him out there, I mean, again, I guess it goes back to being a pros pro. I think Mike McDaniel said he just wanted to get out there and kind of, you know, get a feel for what he's going to see on game days. So um, I, I like what you said there, Jake, and I have to wonder if, you know, their their hand won't almost be forced. I mean, because you're looking at this tight end room and you were hoping Hunter Long did something. That was he even, like, was he a ghost? I I, 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 yeah, I, I don't know where Hunter Long was. I, I mean, think he high-fived Jason Sanders once. Okay. I think that's probably about it. So that's why he's on the roster. Shaheen, <laughs> I mean, they tried to, they already tried to move Shaheen and that that failed. So, um, you know, when you look at this tight end group, obviously Mike Kosicki is a clear-cut, you know, TE one, but um, when no one else behind him is really stepping up, other than Tanner Connor, right? I mean, I think he showed some flash. He seems to be that guy that little can be speed. That, yeah, a little bit of every. Yeah, didn't he hit twenty? Yeah, he did twenty miles per hour. I think there was a tweet from Next Gen that he hit. So uh, this Dolphins offense is low speed. But back to your point with Mike Gesicki, hopefully they can find a way to make things work. But uh, again, I think if he goes out there and does what we expect, he's going to want way too much money. Um, I don't know where I want to go with that. Is there somewhere transition? We, we can we can we can pause that right there and then start back up talking. Defense. Okay, yeah, that's perfect. Doing, like I think we're doing good, spot. right? We're doing good. Hundred percent. And defense, we don't have to spend as long. We talked about the secondary a little bit. I'm gonna we can say we're kind of disappointed in Igbenogany again if we want because I mean I I actually kind of am. Uh, but but yeah, just go in where you want and and we'll wrap up talking some D. Okay. And Jake, we talked about the offense in the first part. Let's shift our focus over to the defense, primarily the secondary. I mean, for me. Outside of Xavier Howard and Nick Needham, I'm starting to feel a little bit Joe Philbin queasy. I mean, again, Byron Jones, no guarantees out there. And Noah Ibanagani looked completely lost in this game. So I guess I want to get your thoughts on some of these guys. Was there not a – I wanted to call him Jeffrey Ross. I kept calling him Ross. I saw his last name was Ross, but he got beat a bunch of times throughout that game. And it just made me realize that, you know, the secondary that I once thought was – godly and you know one of the best in the nfl outside of xavian howard you know a healthy byron jones nick needham i mean you can see it starting to you know you can see a huge gap between there so give me your thoughts on the secondary what you saw out of them in saturday's game there was a touchdown throw uh, on an in route where noah Igbenagni was very loose behind the defender and i'm already going to try to spin this because it seemed like he might have been bracketing the receiver with Brandon Jones, who kind of bit too far outside when he came back in for the touchdown. Uh, but man, it, it's a little, you want to just see the flashes. I mean, the bad plays are okay. You expect the bad plays. It's going to happen. You know, it's a do or die league, but we need to see some sort of do. And that just hasn't been the case from Noah Igbenogany. Man, I got to ask you, Elijah Campbell, do you think if you're playing charades, even you could reenact that touchdown with no ball and nobody with you? Because that thing was a, that was an impressive interception, man. It was a prime preseason interception. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of the one that I think X had um, 
was it last year? I can't remember, but he kind of rolled on the ground. And that thing stuck to his it was against butt. The Falcons and, last year. I think, yep, yeah. yep. That was it. That was the one. Yep. But I kind of rolled over Calvin really, I think, but anyway, that, that was an impressive interception. It's things like that. You know, you have, I think he had what two pass breakups most on the team. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He had two pass breakups, had that great interception. I mean, there's a guy that, you know, again, Unfortunately, Trey Williams is out. No, Benogany's not doing anything. That's a chance for Elijah Campbell to stick and prove his worth. So um, I, I liked what we saw in the secondary, but I mean, there wasn't much, right? I mean, we didn't have Xavier Howard. Javon Holland wasn't in the lineup. They didn't even play mm-hmm. Eric Rowe at all. So, so I, I think the secondary played pretty well. But what about your thoughts on the Dolphins defensive front in front of them? You know, the front seven. I mean, I don't know about you, but you saw Sam McGuav and he looked like he could not tackle anybody until he had that awesome um, scoop and fumble for the touchdown, scoop and score for the touchdown. Um, Channing Tindall was all over the field at times, got an 86.9 grade from pro football focus. I did a cut up on there. I think one time he blew up a screenplay, you know, dude's flashing the speed all over the place, but um the linebacking core still makes me feel a bit uncertain, especially when you look past this season. A lot of these guys are only on one-year deals, and as of now, I mean, that is still the glaring hole in that Dolphins defense. Yeah, Iguavin was, again, we're going to use the flopping around like a fish. He did have some missed tackles, and Darius Hodge forced that fumble that he returned. And fun fact, I think it was Travis Wingfield of the Miami Dolphins who said this, Iguavin has now scored in each of his last two games. There was a blocked punt against uh, the Patriots in week 17 last year. So that's kind of cool, but that's kind of where we're at with him. He has those big plays where he's just right place, right time. But I don't know if we've really seen consistency at any point in Guavin's career that we can really think that, Hey, he's, he's becoming a stabilizing force. Uh, Josh, I was watching the game on my phone uh, while I was at Boston, man. I don't know if it's just because I was on a small screen, but Benito Jones he stood out like no other. He had five tackles, one for a loss. I mean, man, this defensive line is looking scary. And, you know, you're hoping the limited injuries in the secondary where we don't have to dig too deep into that depth. And the depth that the Dolphins have at that defensive line, you think of the trio of defensive tackles and Wilkins and uh, Sealer and Raquan Davis. But then Jalen Phillips isn't even a starter right now. It's Melvin Ingram who got that uh, quote-unquote starter job on the depth chart so man this is a loaded loaded defensive line and if Benino Jones can come in and be hey your fourth and fifth lineman offensive lines aren't going to be able to deal with that where they can't get a breath against anyone yeah man I don't know if I can credit the phone you watching it being as to why Benito Jones stood out because I was watching a computer and dude he was everywhere you mentioned the five tackles one for a loss another guy that stood out Ben Still I think he's a rookie uh looked like a beast at times at five tackles and I had to throw out CK Parrott called him baby sealer, but you look at that Dolphins defensive line, man, and they are so stacked. And I think earlier in the year, I think, did they not get rid of Adam Butler? There were some moves they made where you thought, yeah. okay, well, who's next? Jing- John Jenkins, Jingleheimer Schmidt, right? I think that was the only thing. didn't depth- even look that great, I didn't think. Or you didn't like have those stickout plays that you'd expect from a rotational guy in, you know, a preseason game. So, I mean, when you think about John Jenkins being that only depth piece, I mean, you need someone to step up, and that's what we're seeing. I mean, Darius Hodge had that, you know, stripped forced that fumble. I think DeAndre Johnson had a sack. I mean, there were just players coming out of nowhere making plays. So I'm excited for that front four, three, well, you know, whatever, five, I think, Depending on five, the mood. I think there was a five, one bear that I think Kyle Krabs today were in. So um, this Dolphins defense is versatile. And um, it, I, again, preseason week one, I was going to get ready to say, you know, they picked up where they left off last year, but there's, that that's not the case because none of their stars were in here, <laughs> but I, I do like what I see out of this and I'm excited to see what Josh Boer's defense can do, but they absolutely need to spend all week practicing because uh, that was definitely a huge issue for me. 
Hey man, the tackling, that's something that hopefully comes with time. Obviously you think about in training camp, you can't tackle as nearly as much as you used to. So, Hey, that's it, man. Maybe Mike Kosicki, he gets in because you're not going to have those guys rushing around like maniacs um, in a, in a practice. And I, again, shout out him. I thought he did really well, but dude, what, what did you think of him icing the kicker? I, I don't know if you talked about that at the beginning of the pot. I was running back and forth, but I, I, that was pretty I didn't awesome. see that. Yeah, what happened? Yeah, Mike McDaniel iced the kicker. It was his first time. He was waiting on the sideline. Perfect timing with the timeout. Kicker nailed the field goal, and it came back. He he shank a pot and missed it. So uh, that was the, how the game ended. Sorry. Yeah. It's, no, yeah, it's incredible. Yep, yeah, and it's funny because uh, the whole reason I want to bring it up is for whatever reason I was watching the game wearing my Ricky Williams jersey, getting ready to kick that field goal. I turned that thing inside out. So that's going to be my new thing from now on because uh, that was a hell of a way for that game to. End. I de- dude, I need a picture of that. That sounds awesome wearing the Ricky and set out. And dude, just goes back to it. McDaniel, man, it's been fun to have him on the sidelines. And above that, it has been so fun to have Dolphins football back. It is only week one of the preseason. They are no longer doing four games in the past. Like in the past, it is only three games. Hopefully, maybe a little too a uh, little waddle next time. But hey, all we're really hoping for at this point is no injuries. But that will do it. That is all the time we have. Thank you all so much for letting us be part of your Monday, letting us be part of your Tuesday. Go out there, have a great day. And more importantly, above all else, fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Cause we're the